welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled, He Still Moves Stones, that's diving into the miracles of Jesus found in the book of John. God did miracles then, and he still does them now. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. So good to see you in the house of God today. I want to welcome all of you here at the Durham campus. I want to welcome all of the other campuses, nine campuses in total. And in a week or two, not quite ready to announce it yet, but in a week or two, we will be announcing, come on now, our 10th New Hope campus. We're fired up. Some of you are guessing and predicting where it is, and some of you might know, but some of you don't have a clue, but you are guessing nonetheless. Hey, glad you are here. We are going to wrap up the series that we have been in now for over two months. He still moves stones. It started, yeah, it started on Easter Sunday, and you might recall that I said this. He ain't there. He ain't there. Come on, praise the Lord. He is the God of life and resurrection. And that reminded me, well, we lost a, a beloved mother of a new hoper uh, this week. Actually, I think it's end of last week. And um, the granddaughter said to the mother, after the grandmother passed away, the granddaughter said to the mother, Hey, when am I going to be able to FaceTime grandma in heaven? And I thought to myself, that is awesome. First, I thought that's hilarious. And the second thing I thought, come on, God. That wouldn't be asking too much, would it? I mean, would it not be stinking cool for you to be able to FaceTime those who have gone to be with the Lord in heaven forever? That's my prayer request. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it'd be awesome. So think about where we've been. And if you're new, I want to kind of bring you up to speed. The very first week of He Still Moved Stones, it was Easter Sunday morning. When we celebrated the greatest miracle of all time, God the Father raising Jesus Christ from the dead and rolling the stone away. It does not get any better than that. Then the next week, John chapter 2. Jesus causing water to blush. Six stone jars. A wedding party. The wedding goes south for some people when they ran out of wine. Mary comes to Jesus. She doesn't boss Jesus around. She doesn't tell Jesus how to perform the miracle. She just says, Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus takes water H2O, come on now, and turns it into a beautiful Merlot. Miracle, <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Miracle number one. The next week, the long distance healer, John chapter four. The next week, the long time healer, Jesus heals an invalid who had been an invalid for 38 years. After that, the great multiplier. Jesus has 20,000 people around him. They are hungry. The sun is going down. They're maybe hangry. I mean, they're so hungry, they're angry. Jesus sees a little boy walking by with a long John Silver <laughs> bag of food. 
five loaves and two fish. He heals 20,000 people. The water walker, Jesus literally walking on the sea of Galilee. And then today, we're going to be looking at John 2 again as we look at Jesus and this wedding feast. And then you might recall that we also had the grave robber in there when Jesus raised who? Lazarus from the grave. Unbelievable. And as they say, all good things must come to an end. So we have to wrap up this series. But go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 2. And come on, church, even though we have to wrap up the series, I say we ask God to continue to unleash his miracles in our life. Amen. Come on, if you believe it and declare it, just because the series ends today, the miracles of God shall not end. And we have been hearing about unbelievable miracles. John chapter 2. You might recall if you were here that day, I read the scripture from a local winery. I'm going back. To that winery and I'm going back to that passage today not the same message totally different message but I want you to lean in and let's go get what God has for us today amen take a look on the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him at this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and there they stayed for a few days it is an absolutely unbelievable miracle of Jesus saving the best for the wedding when the water and the wine had run out and everybody was wondering what was going to happen. Jesus' mother comes. I love that part where Jesus just kind of says, Woman, why do you bother me with this? But then he steps in, tells the disciples to fill the six stone jars with water, and he performs his first, and I dare say, one of his most remarkable 
miracles in the life of Jesus. If you love the Word of God, let me hear an amen. amen. Now, isn't it fascinating as we've been studying the miracles of Jesus, the truth is we have been kind of zooming in, if you will, on the divinity of Jesus, and rightly so. If you're going to look at Jesus as the powerful miracle worker, the natural tendency is to focus on his divinity. That is what enabled him to do these miracles. But let me just turn it just a little bit today because I want to draw our attention to actually the humanity of Jesus for just a moment. I mean, come on. Have you ever really thought about this? Jesus had to be potty trained like every other child. Have you ever wrestled with the fact that Jesus had to learn reading and writing and arithmetic like the rest of us? Come on, think about this. This blows my mind. Jesus had to learn the names of the constellations he created. (laughs) And the laws of the physics he engineered. And just like us, Jesus had to discover his destiny by a relationship with his heavenly father. And yet, from an early age, Jesus knew what he was capable of doing. And Mary knew what he was capable of doing. See, that's what makes this miracle so absolutely fascinating to me. His first miracle up until this point, Jesus had the miraculous powers, but I believe it ranked as one of the best kept secrets in all of human history. He just keeps it on the down low. Can you imagine how hard that must have been for 30 years to hide the miraculous power that Jesus had? I mean, come on, church. Keep in mind, it wasn't as easy as just putting a pair of glasses on like Clark Kent. Or throwing a t-shirt on his chest with a big S. Or wearing a mask, if you will, like Bruce Wayne. Somehow Jesus managed to masquerade this miracle working ability to go undercover. Until this day. At a wedding. In Cana of Galilee and I can't tell you exactly what happened but something happened in that moment and Jesus knew that it was time to come out if you will and let everybody know and as I pointed out that week that I taught on this passage it's the only thing I'm going to say today that is repetitive and the reason I'm repeating it is because it resonated with so Many of you, I mean, Twitter lit up. All the comments that I heard on this was unbelievable. If you are a note taker, write this down. If you are not a note taker, write this down. If it is a big deal to you, it is a big deal to God. Hello. I mean, isn't it amazing that Jesus' first miracle was not calming the storms? Jesus' first miracle was not healing some physical ailment. Jesus' first miracle was something as insignificant as wine at a wedding. Why? Because it was important to Mary and it was important to the wedding guests. And you know it was important to the bride and her family. Hello. If it's important to you, it's important to God, why don't, we make it, why don't we make it personal today? So say this with me. If it is 
a big deal to me, it's a big deal to God. One more time, all of our campuses, ready? Go. If it is a big deal to me, it is a big deal to God. For those of you who are at the Durham campus, you're kind of noticing some exciting things going on around this campus these days. And for those of you who aren't at this campus, you've got your own exciting, hope-rising stuff going on at the campuses. But you should get excited about this, too, because we're one church, many locations. And in the same way that we celebrate what you're doing there, we ask you to celebrate what's going on here. And what's going on here is we are clearing a bunch of land for additional parking space. And you probably have seen the trees that are laying down out here. Now, let me just say for the, for the tree lovers. Pipe down. Number one, we love trees. Number two, we're going to be planting a lot of trees and abiding by all of the green space regulations. And number three, though, you need to hear this. In my humble opinion, God would rather cars be in a parking lot of a church so that people can experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you don't even know if you should clap for that. But you should. But that's not my point. I was walking around here the other day just kind of praying over the land and praying for you as I often do. And I don't say that lightly. I know that sounds like something a preacher should say, but seriously, praying for you, your faces, your stories, our church, all of our campuses, those of you who watch it on television or the internet. And I was walking around and I noticed the trees that they had not only cut, but they had stacked up on top of one another. Let me show you just a picture for the sake of our other campuses so they can see exactly what I'm talking about. Parking lots going back into the property will probably have, a well, it is, about exactly as much parking back there as we have currently today. And I was looking at the trees, and I don't know if you know this, but there's a study called endocrinology, and that is the study of trees. And endocrinologists actually study the rings of a tree. And again, I don't know if you realize this or not, but endocrinologists can actually study the rings of a tree. And by studying the rings of that particular tree, they can tell a couple things. One, how old the tree is. Two, What has the life of that tree been like? They can literally study the rings of a tree and date it back, certain rings, to hardships in the climate. Times when maybe there was a drought. Times when maybe they got a lot of rain. You can actually know about the tree by studying the rings. And then I had this thought again just as I was walking around praying for you. We have rings. You have rings. Every single person here and at all of our campuses, we all have rings that tell our story. Can I tell you a few of them? They're real. They're not made up. They're real and they're recent. There's a ring in the life of a young man here who is tatted from head to toe and is a heroin addict. And from just a few weeks ago where he jumped in the waters of baptism and got baptized as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and is engaged in rehabilitation and recovery, he's going to make it, I believe. He's going to make it, church. I love this brother. I want you to pray for him. There's another ring, if you will, a story of a young woman who is afraid to tell her parents that she has decided to follow Jesus. Because her parents have let her know many years ago 
that they will disown her if she goes the way of Christ. True story. There's another ring that tells the story of a middle-aged mom who keeps trying to heal from her college-age student dying just two years ago who ran a marathon with some college friends. I remember it like it was yesterday. And dropped dead as a college student. Healthy and in the prime of his life. And I sat outside with her just last week and talked to her and looked in her eyes again. There's another ring that tells the story of a grown man who acts like a little boy because he grew up with his father gone. And the father womb is so big in his heart. There's another ring that tells the story of a grown woman who can't seem to forget the night her uncle took her in the back bedroom and locked the door and showed her not the mystery of sex but the misery of unwanted sex. There's a ring that tells the story of a little boy now who has become a man who is trying to deal with the fact that his dad would not talk to him. And a mother that told him over and over and over when he was a young boy, I wish you had never been born. There's a ring on a man's heart. Ring on a man's heart that is big and wide and the hurt is deep because his wife of only 10 years decided she was going to run off with a newer and younger model, if you will, a newer addition. There's a ring that tells a story of someone who has grown up. Listen in, church. We don't talk about this enough. They've grown up in their entire life. They've wrestled with same-sex attraction. And they've never found a church, never found a church who would say to them, you're welcome here and we love you and we will wrestle with the word of God with you. But come journey with us. Come journey with us. There's another ring of a wife who time and time again keeps catching her man up late at night in the corner of his bedroom, addicted to pornography. There's a story of another person who just recently I met and talked with, and for the life of them, they just can't get over the fact that they have stolen stuff from their business over and over and over again, and they're trying to figure out how to admit it, how to come clean. Story after story after story. The rings of our lives that the miracle working God is longing to step in, intersect, if you will, where you are and where I am. Jesus turns water to wine. And if it teaches us anything, listen, church, it teaches us this. Anything is possible with God. Did you hear me? Therefore, nothing is impossible for God. 
Come on now. That's good news. Say that with me when it pops up on the screen. Ready? Go. Anything is possible with God. Therefore, nothing is impossible with God. And we've been in this series for two months. And here's what some of you have been thinking. I know it. I know it. Some of you have been thinking this. Pastor Benji, the miracles are cool. They're cool, but you know what? It's 2,000 years ago. Do, do the miracles still apply to me today? Some of you are asking this question. Does God still work miracles today? You're skeptical. You're jaded. You've grown up as a child of modernity, and you're just not convinced that God still works miracles today. Here's what some of you have been saying. So what? So what? It's 2,000 years ago. I'm hurting now. I need healing now. And I just want to let you know that our God still works miracles today like he did 2,000 years ago. And some are clapping and others of you might be sitting there. You might even be clapping, but you're thinking this. Really? I'm not so sure. Again, can I tell you a few as we wrap up this series? Let me start with a miracle that some of you might not even consider a miracle, but I consider it a miracle. Picture a man, true story again, not long ago, walking through the rotunda, meets another man here at the Durham campus again, walks and meets this man in the rotunda, and he looks down at the man and he says, those are some awesome shoes you have on. The man wearing the shoes says, well, thank you. What size foot do you have? The guy who complimented the shoes? I wear a size 10. The man with the shoes? Oh, these are 10s. Here. Try it on. The complimenting man said, really? No, 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 no. no the guy, Try it on. He tries it on. He goes, it fits. The new hoper said, have the other one. See, see, I think that's a miracle. In a day and age of self-absorption, in a day and age of us just getting caught up in all of our stuff, I think that's a miracle. Let me tell you another miracle. It comes from Wes and Megan Vanessa. Let me show you a picture of this beautiful family. Un. They've been New Hopers for a long time. Let me read an email that came to our miracles at newhopenc.org. And you keep sending those to us, by the way. Wow. God came through in a way I never expected. We have been praying and praying for my sister-in-law to get pregnant. They've been trying for several years and undergone many unsuccessful fertility treatments. Last month, we found out that we are expecting our third baby. We were overjoyed, but heartbroken for her at the same time. Some of you can relate. I can remember when my brother couldn't get pregnant with his wife, and Amy Lynn and I started <laughs> spitting out children like rabbits. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> And every time I had to call him and tell him, and I, I felt bad. They've since adopted. Amen. Adoption's awesome. And, and, 
Now they've had two biological children since then. He loves the Lord. He's a believer. Back, back to my story. We were heartbroken that for her at the same time. I wrote this prayer down and put it in the prayer wall. Don't forget the prayer walls, guys. The very next day, we went in for our first ultrasound, and we were surprised, elated, terrified, and excited to find out we're having twins. I can relate to that as well. Yet one of the first questions that came out of our mind was, now how are we going to tell her? Their sister, remember? Well, Wes got up the courage the next day to call her and break the news. He was a bit surprised by her response that was genuine happiness for us, followed by, I'm having a baby too. <laughs> oh, it, 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 there's more. Now, this was enough to convince me that God had answered that prayer with a miracle, but he wasn't done. Yesterday, we had a Memorial Day cookout at my brother's house. His wife, five months pregnant, were having a gender reveal party. Y'all been to these, right? They brought, I've never been to one, but I hear about them. They brought the cake to reveal that they were having a boy. And then another blue cake. Identical twin boys. So one family's having twins, the other family's having twins. She ends it with this, wow, we are a blessed family that serves a God who still moves stones and loves some babies. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. And then there's this story. Then there's this story. Her name is Heather Bennett. She's married to David Bennett, the executive pastor of this church unbelievable story that speaks to the fact that sometimes God doesn't heal right when we want him to or how we want him to. But he is still able to heal when and however he wants to. Check it out. I'm deeply humbled when I think of the fact that God knew before the beginning of time that I would have this sickness, that I would cry out to him time and time again, and that he would say, not yet, and I would keep holding on. college sweetheart and we moved to Atlanta with his company because he was very successful and we bought a big beautiful home we had three amazing children life was really great and we thought that's how life was supposed to be spring of 2009 I woke up one morning not feeling so well and I quickly began to uh, snowball into an illness that would last me three years I went from doctor to doctor and specialist to specialist I was literally examined from head to toe inside and out and yet no one could tell me what was going on with me after nearly two years of searching for answers, God brought a doctor into our life that suggested maybe it was my environment that was making me so ill. He suggested that we move to a large body of salt water and that the ionic air would detox my body and help me to heal. 
And so as my sickness continued to worsen and my health declined, we had a tough decision to make. I was so sick and so desperate that I was willing to try just about anything to feel better. My husband, on the other hand, struggled with it a bit because it meant that he had to give up his job and everything that he'd worked so hard for. And truthfully, it sounded a little far-fetched. So this caused quite a bit of tension. both really nervous that this was actually going to work, but we were very hopeful at the same time. We had to try this because we had exhausted all our other options. We left everything that we had worked so hard to build for the last seven years, just in hopes of it improving my health. Two weeks after moving to Florida, while at home with my boys, I collapsed. I was so scared and frustrated, and I just didn't even know what to do. I called my husband at work to come home. My little boys had to come help me in bed. I just did not understand what was happening. I was supposed to be getting better. This, by far, was my lowest moment. A few weeks later, we had a trip to Disney World planned with our family, and so I didn't want to disappoint our boys, so I went anyway, but I had to spend the whole time in a wheelchair as I was unable to walk. I was so frustrated because I just wanted to play with them and go on rides with them and interact with them, and as I went through the parks, it was very scary to me to think that maybe this was what my future held. So without any concrete answers to my failing health, my only option was laying in bed and so that is what I did for the next several months. Nearly three years after I initially fell ill, I was at home watching a sermon online about miracles of God and healing specifically. I realized that when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I'd always been told that I was a child of God but I never really understood what that really meant. I needed to understand that God was going to meet me where my faith was. I had prayed and I begged and I pleaded, asking God for things and not fully believing that he was gonna answer them. And that's exactly what I had been guilty of. And I always knew that God could heal me, but I don't think I believed that God would heal me. A verse I meditated on a lot that day was 1 Peter 2.24, which says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That day changed my life. So 
right there in my quiet home, I prayed with full confidence, believing that God was going to heal me. And I declared as a daughter of the utmost high God that I accepted his healing in my body, that I would be free from my sickness and my pain and my struggles, and that I would choose to live in righteousness and grace that he provided. It was at that moment with tears streaming down my face that a breath swept over me so big and so deep that I can only describe it as the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit. I was healed. I was healed emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. After three long years of waiting, I had my miracle. I felt so good. I had more energy than I had before. I was able to play with my kids again and run around with them. Life was good again. Would I have chosen this journey? Probably not. But the God that I know today is so much greater and so much bigger than the God that I knew before my illness. Through it all, he was with me and was gently whispering, I'm here, just believe. And when the time was right, he said, now, now she's ready. Now she believes. Now my name will be glorified through the work that I have done in her life. performing miracles today and he is still moving stones in our lives praise God amen praise God thank you Heather for sharing your story with us So why don't we do something a little crazy today? Why don't we, as a community of faith, gather around one another and celebrate Holy Communion, which is always a sacred moment in the life of the church. It's a sacrament. Sacrament is a fancy word that really just means it's a means of grace. And at all of our campuses, why don't we have Holy Communion together. But in addition to Holy Communion together, why don't we take up Scripture's instruction to anoint folks with oil for the healing power of God to fall on this church today? And some of you will not want to be involved in this and you're good to go and you're like, no, just give me the bread and the wine, man. I'm good. (laughs) And that's cool. We want you to have that choice. But there are others of you here today and at all of our locations and you you need more. You want more. You, You want to fulfill Scripture. You want to take a big leap of faith. Step out of the boat, if you will. Because you've got rings in your life. You've got stories. You've got hurts. You've got pains. You've got desires. You've got needs. And you just want a little more. We're going to invite you to come forward. And take up the scriptural instruction. 
that we see in the Bible. And if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there to the book of James. James chapter 5. Some of you might not have ever heard of this scripture before. James chapter 5. The word of the Lord says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. And what church? Anoint them with oil. In the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Amen. The Lord will, watch this, raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Watch this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we're actually going to invite you at all of the campuses to come out toward the center of your section, toward the center of your worship space, wherever you are. We're all going to come toward the center. And then we're going to be able to come forward. And in the center area of all the campuses, there will be the campus pastor. And if you want to be anointed with oil, he will take oil from a vial and he'll put that oil on the sign of a cross on your forehead and he will say there and I will say here I anoint you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and for some of you that's going to be enough and you'll go from this table at the center of the campuses and you'll fan out to the right or the left depending on which side you sit in. And then you'll go and you'll receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we will celebrate this sacrament together. For others of you though, you might desire some prayer. And for us to know that you desire prayer, you got to tell us. So when you walk forward, if you desire for me or others here at Central Campus or the campus pastors or others at, at the campuses, if you desire prayer, then you simply let us know what you would like for us to pray. And we're going to anoint you with oil. And then we're going to put our hands on our, your shoulders and we're going to pray for you. But here's what you need to know. i got to say this because the number one, we don't know what's going to happen right now. Might get a little cray-cray up in here. We're going to go wherever God leads us. Can I get an amen? But number two, I've got to say this. I've got to say this. Listen closely. Really what you need to do when you come down if you desire a prayer is just tell us your situation. Just, just tell us your situation. You don't have to, you don't have to go off and, 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 and speak to us for 20 minutes. I've got to say that. It is biblical. Check this out. Did you notice how Mary approached Jesus? Mary didn't come up to Jesus and get in his face. Mary didn't come up to Jesus and dump a bunch of stuff on him. Mary didn't come up to Jesus and tell him about the bad day. Mary just came up to Jesus and told him what the situation was. Mary didn't even tell Jesus how to perform the miracle. 
nor did Mary tell Jesus to perform the miracle. Watch this. John 2, verse 3, you'll see it on the screens. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Period. They have no more wine. I don't know about you, but I've been around people, and I've actually fallen in this before. When you need a miracle, people have a tendency to, like, talk long-winded. I've been around people who, when they want a miracle, they start to pray. And they'll start to pray in old 16th century King James Version. Oh, thou holy God, we beseech thee to fall upon my ingrown toenail and heal me. Nothing wrong with that. But we don't really need it today. I want us to follow the example of Mary. You just say what you're dealing with. I got cancer. That's all we need to know. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for a healing. My spouse is cheating on me. I'm going to pray over you. I can't pay my bills. I'm going to pray over you. I'm lonely. Just like Mary. Just, just declare the situation. Jesus, they have no more wine. Jesus, I'm lonely. I'm having suicidal thoughts. We're going to pray over you. We're going to wrap our arms around you as a church family. Not with a bunch of empty, hollow, religious, warmed over platitudes. Just going to put our arms around you. And we're going to journey with you. And we're going to pray that God will heal you. And sometimes he does. And sometimes he doesn't. And I can't fully explain that. But here is what I know. He is always faithful. And his timing is always better than my timing. So I invite you to come. If Jesus can do with water, if he can turn water into wine, what might he be able to do with your situation? The God who spoke every atom into existence is the one who can still mutate any molecule. This includes your blood cells, brain cells, and cancer cells. This includes your relational baggage. This includes your financial baggage. This includes the best and highest aspirations that you have for your life. It includes your deepest wounds, and it includes all the rings in your life. Abraham Cooper Incredible Dutch theologian, prime minister of the Neverland said this, and oh my word, don't miss this, and we're going to move into this moment. 
There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine, mine, mine. Whatever it is you're struggling with, He declares today, Mine. Invite me in and let's dance together let the Holy Spirit move in your life and trust me at all of our campuses today let's pray together heads bowed and you want to open up your palms in your lap and as a way to say I surrender and invite God in you can do that Father, we move into this sacred moment today where we as a church family, we celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. The greatest miracle ever performed. The fact that you raised your son Jesus Christ up from the dead that our sins might be forgiven. Our souls might be cleansed. And that we can experience the miraculous power of the divine here and now. And God, sometimes you move in ways that we really enjoy. And other times, God, life is hard. And I'm not going to try to dress that up. But the empty tomb still reminds us, Lord God, that you shall have the last word and it will be good. Thank you for who you are. We invite you to fall on us today. Descend upon us, Holy Spirit. Heal Mend, cure, hold, empower your people to move with you into the days ahead where we experience you living out, performing miracles in our lives. And if you're here today and you you don't know Christ, you desire a relationship with him, I'm just going to simply say this. As you receive Holy Communion today, Why don't you let that be a time where you say, Lord Jesus, in the same way that I'm going to take this bread and I'm going to lift this cup as the body and the blood of Christ, I invite you into my life. Fill me. I need you to be my Savior. I want to be a Christian. God, I pray for those folks today who will receive you For the very first time, God, I pray for the believers who are already here, who are going to do business with you today, whatever it is, whatever rings they brought to this place today. God, I thank you for their stories. I thank you for their journeys. Now use them all to your glory and honor and unleash your miracles in their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.